Thank you so much, Mac. Uh, it's also August 1969, uh, 50th anniversary of Woodstock. Were you, were you there? How many people were at Woodstock? How many people would not admit it? I just found that out this morning. Pleasure to be here. I do have a, an old joke uh, to say. You know, I used to spend a lot of time trying to find humor to begin with uh, the messages. Uh, I spent a lot of time doing that, but now that I'm retired, <laughs> they're just old jokes now. But I used to tell this early on when I, when I got here, and I used it as an illustration, and I thought I'd try it again. So it was, it's about, I'm, I'm a Scandinavian descent, uh, Swedish, and it's about Ole Olsen's dry goods store that had been in this small town for a long time in a prime location, and as this town grew and the population grew, Walmart wanted to move in, and they wanted his spot. And they would give him anything for him to move so they could put their big mega Walmart in there, and he refused. He said, I've been here for a long time, I've been here for 50 years, I'm going to stay right here. So they built all around him. They built on both sides, behind him, big, big, big Walmart. He said, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And the opening day, the opening day, he had the biggest day he's ever had, the greatest sales he ever had. All he had to do was change his name from Ole Olson's Dry Goods to Main Entrance. Thank you for laughing at my old joke. <laughs> the chapel stood at the main entrance, the main entrance to Aspen, but was not attracting too many customers when I arrived in 1978. Some changes needed to be made. And it was not because of any particular competition. There were six other churches which were all doing a very good job within their particular denomination, and in their little neighborhood, but affecting the smallest percentage of the Aspen population than just about any other town in the country. Like Ole, I was not too sure what to do. I was pretty sure it needed more than a name change, and all I knew that something else had to be tried. The vision and purpose of this chapel had been established by Cameron's great uncle and father. I believed in the vision wholeheartedly, but it was how to begin to fulfill this vision. We needed to fully integrate into this community, not just be a corner denominational church. Here are a few things that I want to mention we have pursued and I hope accomplished over the past 50 years. One, open door policy. All I knew was to serve anyone with any need who came through our doors. A complete open-door policy seemed crucial. We needed to, co to connect and relate in any way that we could. We also became far more proactive in creating programming rather than just waiting for someone to come along and say, can I use your chapel? The goal was to not just be the Aspen Chapel, but Aspen's Chapel. Second, non-membership appeal. I have never come across, for my over 40 years being here, anyone in Aspen who approached me and said, you know, I really have a need to become an official member of a denominational church. <laughs> no one, no one asked me that. I thought not asking anyone to join became an asset 
I used to often say, because there are no insiders, there are no outsiders. And I think that's true today. The chapel needed to become, computer language, user-friendly. No official membership, but we soon added over the years a core group of people to this chapel that has really stabilized and sustained the chapel. In some ways, we were both a church to the core group and a chapel to the community, like on a college campus. And we still have many different constituencies here, which is a challenge, especially a financial challenge. At the same time, we are literally serving thousands and thousands of people every year in various ways. Third, the ecumenical and interfaith approach seemed to be refreshingly appealing to many people. But we needed to create programming for this, for this such as spiritual paths and wisdom school. In this past month, what's been here for the uh, interfaith remembrance of Thomas Keating and Matthew Fox here yesterday, this is all tremendous. There are exclusive churches and inclusive churches or religious organization. This chapel is very inclusive. We also added the Jewish congregation to the life of the chapel as well. And one of the primary purposes of Jesus was to be inclusive. That's a primary purpose. He expanded his Jewish faith to include all the non-Jews, which are called Gentiles, and all kinds of Gentiles, I might add. Fourth, spiritually progressive advance. In keeping with another fourth variable, which was to become more deliberately, uninhibitedly, philosophically, theologically, spiritually progressive. Many, if not most, denominations are trying to balance today within their memberships, their conservative and liberal wings, which may be admirable, but I think it also may put them in neutral. The fact that we have made a distinctive choice based on our founders' very forward thinking, we are also going forward. One of the few churches in the country that are. The church is greatly challenged right now. I do not know exactly what the future of faith will be, but it's going to be different. Religion has made some major changes in the past, and I believe we are entering a new paradigmatic shift in our world. The great theologian Matthew Fox spoke about it all day yesterday. We have taken some risks, and I think they are going very well. I will always remember the simple words of a favorite professor of mine named, and his name sounds like a professor, Dr. Harvey Pothoff. <laughs> and he spoke here at this chapel many times from Denver University and Isle of School of Theology. And it's simple. A church is as successful as it meets the needs of the people. I would add the current needs. What are the needs today? They're not the same. They were 100 years ago in the traditional churches. What are they today? The world stands at a spiritual crossroad. And may this big little chapel, this big little chapel be a main entrance to this new world, serving the main needs of the people today in this 21st century. And fifth, 
I wish to mention is a vast variety of leaders and teachers that we have called upon to add life and diversity to this chapel. This included the multitude of special seminars and Sunday worship services, shared leadership philosophically, administratively, has been invaluable. One could even say we are a chapel for the people and by the people. We have had so many advanced thinkers here. It has got to add up soon. Matthew Fox here yesterday was fantastic. For the good attendance of 50 people, there should have been 500. That's our goal, or 5,000. We have to keep going. And lastly, when I cleaned out some files here, I was reminded about all those minutes, the myriad of meetings over all those almost 37 years that I was here. I'd looked at those minutes, cleaned them out, sorted them out. As necessary as these meetings were, there was an even more important dynamic happening, and that was simply the personal relationships being made during those meetings. That's what a real meeting is for. The personal discussions before the meeting and after the meeting were just as significant to me as the content of the meeting. The receptions following the worship, I think, are of equal significance to the worship. I know food is good, too. Many enduring friendships have been made via this chapel. I am so grateful for the friends that I have made. There's a wonderful energy and spirit here that is permeable. You can feel it. Speaking about meeting friends, I <laughs> happen to meet the love of my life here because of the chapel. That's a small part of what the chapel means to me. A big part, Carolyn. For my last official Sunday, I was handed a box of uh, thank you cards and letters, about 400 to be exact. They sit right next to me in my home office now. If ever I need a little boost, I can just pick one up and read it. It's awfully nice. I happened to pick one up this morning from Cynthia Bourgeau, who wrote a book, uh, one of the many books called Wisdom Jesus, and she had a dedication in there, and there was a name in there that said, Greg Anderson. And I said, my word, she knows another Greg Anderson. <laughs> I'm serious about that. I really did think that. It was a few days. And I ran into her. I said, well, who, is, who else do you know named Greg Anderson? I said, stupid, it's you. <laughs> Very grateful. But in her note to me, she talked about servant leadership, and that's what I... I appreciate her identifying that, because that's what I want to be, a servant leader. And then she said, it's about love. She said that love is characterized by five A's. Attention, acceptance, appreciation, affection, and allowing. I'm so grateful to be part of this chapel. I never, never intended to become a minister. It just happened. It's not my fault. Make it very clear, seriously. I was only motivated because of Aspen and this chapel. That's what did it for me. That's why I can't go any other place. Thank you for letting me hang out. I'm so grateful for all the wonderful, loving people here who have helped to propel us 
over the past 50 years to be where we are today and all those who will continue to do so for the next 50 years. Our future is based simply on a loving, caring, sharing community. Thank you all. I love this chapel. I love all of you. Amen. Happy the man who finds wisdom and who gains understanding. For her profit is better than silver and better than gold is her revenue. She is the first and the most pure of his fruits. My son, keep counsel and advice before you. They will be life to your soul and beauty to your mouth. Then you may go securely in your way and your foot will not stumble. When you sleep, you shall not fear. You shall rest, and your sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of the sudden terror, nor the power of the wicked falling upon you, for the Lord will be at your side, and he will keep your foot so that you will not be taken. I just want to point out these fantastic flowers that Shelley's uh, done today. I mean, aren't they amazing? She said, I'm going to do flowers that represent our future. And that is really just, I mean, when have you ever seen in a you know, place where you flowers like that? Aren't they absolutely fantastic? Absolutely brilliant. Thank you, Shelley, for that. Now, I've, I've just to, to, I printed on the back of the service sheet... Uh, the mission of the chapel as it was in uh, 1968. I thought, you know, it was a bit of a longer document. It's been, the, the, the actual paragraphs I've taken uh, put it there. And, you know, and from what Greg said and from what most of us know, you know, we've been pretty faithful to that vision over the last 50 years. You know, yesterday, having Matthew Fox here definitely fulfilled that bit, which says a gathering in lively encounter with leaders of religious thought to redefine spiritual values, to question, to seek relevant answers in a troubled world. We did that yesterday. And it was a seminar and dialogue on theological concerns of contemporary society. We are still doing that. The big question really is how, is what happens in the next 50 years? You know, we here, all of us here in this building, are given this legacy. And it's fed, this legacy had fed so many of us in so many different ways over the years. And we are now its guardians. Those of you watching online, all of us who come, we are the guardians. And we have to ensure that what we've had is available to the next generations. That's really our task. Many of us will not be here in a hundred years. Some of us will, but we can ensure that the chapel community will be here, and this chapel will be here. And it's interesting to think that one way of doing that is making sure that the chapel's in all our wills. Because if we're not here in the next 50 years, our wills will be, and that will really ensure that our endowment is 
absolutely right and looked after for the next period of time. But I'll talk about that another time, really. We also have to make sure that we develop the effective reach of the chapel's programmes. Much of the work we've done here in the past has been dependent on people actually being here. Our programmes needed people to turn up to receive. But that's not true now. You know, as I speak, I'm reaching people through our website, through the feeds on social media. You know, when Cynthia came here a couple of weeks ago, 1,700 people tuned in on social media alone. That just shows the reach that these things have. So our reach is broadening. You know, we're putting out books. And if you haven't read my latest book, which is here, if you have read it, please review it on Facebook, on Amazon. But if you haven't read it, we're putting out books, we're putting out material that's hopefully, you know, getting the message out. And many of us are speaking around the country. Lexi Potamkin, Laurel Cato, my wife Heather, and many others are going to conferences all over the country, really sharing the vision that we have. Lexi went as far as New Delhi with the Dalai Lama. And, you know, I'm speaking more and more away from the chapel. So we're participating in the wider debate now, and we really want to continue that. And locally, we are bringing really top speakers to the valley. Matthew Fox, Byron Katie, James Finley, Richard Raw, Cynthia Brogeau. You know, they are the, the, the people who are really at the top in, in our profession. And that work continues Locally, we've now really developed our partnership with non-profits around the valley. In, in just the last few years, we've been partnering with English in Action, Roaring Fork Outdoor Volunteers, the Buddy Program, Shining Stars, Habitat for Humanity, Lift Up, the Senior Centre, the Aspen Historical Society, Barhaus Aspen, the Aspen Animal Shelter and Wilderness Workshop. I mean, huge numbers. And we don't want to be in competition. We want to partner with them. And as well as being part of that, we also want to be part of the global discussion. And we want to actually, you know, as part of being the global discussion, we want to help people on the ground here and elsewhere. Our young people, you know, had a chance only a few weeks ago to uh, visit that town where that tragedy happened yesterday at El Paso. You know, we were there on the ground in El Paso only a few weeks ago. And our thoughts are with those people down there at the moment. We put a course on for girls entering middle school to help them succeed. And we're at the forefront, the Aspen Chapel, of the Housing Stability Program, sponsored by the county to try and get people who are homeless more established in housing. But one of the key areas of our work in this phase has been, you know, being a testament to remind people in Aspen that there is, as it says in the mission, foremost a spiritual dimension to our existence. That's what this chapel is here for, to remind people of that. We're making sure that the spirit side of the mind, body and spirit ideal in Aspen is not forgotten. You know, we're partnering with Lead with Love. We're keeping values in the newspapers, if you saw the articles last week, and generally making sure that spiritual values are emphasised. And I think we have an opportunity with Daniel Porterville, the new director of the Aspen Institute, you know, they run the Aspen Seminar, where leaders come from all over the world and spend a week at the Institute here. They discuss world events, they go out into nature, you know, they have an, a retreat, the idea is to transform them. And I think that seminar would benefit from an aspect of consciousness training, of doing some of the developing consciousness training here as part of that. 
You know, every morning, not just thinking about stuff, but reflecting on the nature of consciousness. So if anyone knows Daniel and could get me in front of him, I'd really appreciate that. So do let me know. Our future depends on being relevant to issues that face people today. That's why I asked Cameron to read that reading from Proverbs. Because if there's anything that will secure a peaceful future, and boy, do we need it in this country. If there's anything to establish a peaceful future, it is the development of wisdom. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and who gains understanding. For her profit, wisdom's profit, is better than gold or silver, and better than gold is her revenue. This is really what we're about here. How do we live our lives more skillfully? And if there's anything that should be cultivated in this day and age, it's wisdom. Wisdom from the great traditions, wisdom from our hearts, individual wisdom, corporate wisdom. We in the chapel are dedicated to that. Everything we do here, everything, the services, the adult education, the outreach, the youth work, everything is about cultivating wisdom. And if we're planning on anything that will make a difference to our future, it is us developing what is, in effect, a wisdom school here. We are a wisdom school. You've got Cynthia's wisdom school, but we are a wisdom school here. That's what we're doing. We're schooling wisdom, educari, to draw out wisdom. That is our purpose here at the chapel, which is why it's important to ensure that we're here for the next generation, to hand the genie's lamp on to them. And it's our job to do so. The question at our 50th anniversary is really, can we hand on this gift of this place and this community to the next generation? And that is down to us. So the rededication of this chapel, it's not really about the building. It's nice, it's great, but it's not about the building. It is about this carefully nurtured and grown community. It is about this wisdom school. We're not rededicating the building so much as rededicating ourselves to the task of uncovering wisdom. Now, on the service sheet, if you get your service sheets out, you'll see the liturgy that we've, uh, we've done. Now, I always think it's very important that... Uh, if we do a bit of liturgy, we have to say something that you don't have to have your fingers crossed behind your back or anything like that. So I'm going to go through it now so you know what you're going to say. And if you don't want to say it, if it doesn't really chime for you, you can just stand up and go. And no one will know you're not saying it at all. So it doesn't really matter if you don't say it. You know, you could just be completely open to uh, just standing up and pretending you're saying We're okay with that. You know, that's inclusive. So what we're going to do, we're going to stand up in a moment. We're going to stand up and we're going to start. Rob's going to do a fanfare, which is very Aspen, like the, the music festival, to start it. And then I'm going to say, we celebrate the founding of the Aspen Chapel in 1969 and the founder's vision that aims to develop the wisdom to pursue the paths to community and peace. We give thanks that this vision continues to speak to the town of Aspen and the greater community, affirming the existence of a spiritual dimension vital to the well-being of all living things. Do you rededicate yourselves to upholding these long-held values? And you say, we do. Or, will you, as the Aspen Chapel community, undertake to invest your energy, time and resources to ensure that the chapel continues to promote these values for the good of the generations that will come in the next 50 years? We 
is the right answer. Will you undertake to engage in the process of working out how best to steward and sustain the chapel until its centennial celebration and make your best efforts to bring this about? Great. So what we're really saying is, you know, do you celebrate it? Then we're saying, you know, will you invest your energy in doing it? I'm really saying to you, are you guys up for it? Are you guys up for it in the next 50 years? Yes. You know, oh, thank you, Cameron, thank you. <laughs> Come here. <laughs> That's what this is. And will you go for it? You know, there's going to be a time when we're going to need to work out what to do and how to do it. And we need you to participate in it. Because otherwise, you know, we all sit around there in a room thinking, what's going to happen next? And that's just so boring. So anyway, that's what it's about. So are you up for doing this now? Yes. Okay, let's stand. applause for Rob, I think. Very good. Yeah! <laughs> okay. We celebrate the founding of the Aspen Chapel in 1969 and the founder's vision that aims to develop the wisdom to pursue the paths to community and peace. We give thanks that this wisdom continues to speak to the town of Aspen and the greater community affirming the existence of a spiritual dimension vital to the well-beings of all living things. Do you rededicate yourselves to upholding these long-held values? We do! Will you, the Aspen Chapel community, undertake to invest your energy, time and resources, energy, time and resources, to ensure that the chapel continues to promote these values for the good of the next generations that will come in the next 50 years? And will you undertake to engage in the process of working out how best to steward and sustain the chapel until its centennial celebration and make your best efforts to bring this about? We will. Thank you. Give yourself a round of applause.